I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, yo, you're listening to the longest running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast in the world. This is the Smart Gilas Filipinas podcast with me, Rap Camus, and myself, Roma Rand, with uh, Stan C in spirit uh, over the wonderful magical land of CDO. Which is not CDA, that far away. City of Cagayan de Oro. Which is all the way down south. And Cagayan of Gold, what up? Uh, he's on vacation, and we were supposed to record this on our usual Thursday night um, time slot, but due to circumstances, namely traffic, weather, and your job, we couldn't. And we apologize to our uh, to who should have been our guest this week, alongside uh, Brian Wilson of One Direction, uh, classical Brian Leo, Main Max, and and John Sebastian. Otherwise known as three fourths of the Royal Flush. And, and Mark Dimonelosa, who's not part of the Royal Flush. Just, and we, we, was, we were all just scheduled to come together on Thursday, but due to. Uh, Manila traffic. Rain, no, sudden rain. And Manila traffic. Yeah, Manila traffic brought about by the sudden rain. We had to cancel, and we deeply regret all the confusion. Well, not, not in your part, the uh, listener, but to, to our guests. And our friends from PWR. Yeah, and rest assured, they will be here, all of them, but not in the same interview because things get ugly in the booth. Next week, so tune in for that. But this week, we have Brian Wilson from One Direction, as I said. But before we get into that... One we... Direction and Thanos! Thanos! You forget Thanos! Sorry, sorry, sorry. The okay. epic the epic internet sensation, which is Thanos... Which has just concluded. Just concluded. Last episode came out this week. And, you know, I'm very excited to see... What he has in store for us. And Brian Wilson has actually talked to us about making towns and the story of how he got here, how he came here. Actually, he's half British and half Filipino. And has always been a really good wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's actually trained with us, myself and Kamas, uh, as part of the boot camp just once. But he's been dying to get back into the boot camp. Uh, he just does not have the time. Yeah, and we'll get into that in his interview later on in the show. But, but first, right now, yeah, uh, it's been a week, and we were not able to record anything since then. But last week, last Friday or last Saturday, we fa- we got the very unfortunate news that Rowdy Roddy Piper, WWE Hall of Famer, WWE Legend, wrestling legend, the original Rudo, had passed away at 61. It's a very sad, sad fact that. Guys like Roddy have to go at some point, but the no, thing the was the good really die young. Yeah, the good really die young. The good, the really good die really young. Mm, yeah, and then it's really unfortunate that it had to happen so soon after Dusty's passing. But you know, two blows to the wrestling world in such a short time span. It's it's kind of hard nowadays. Uh, and much like Dusty. Uh, my personal uh, takeaway from Roddy's career in life is how to put in the heart when you talk into a mic and when you talk to a wrestling crowd. Yeah, that's uh, the, he, he he always gave 
his passion whenever well he he came across as real unfiltered but real yeah and you know he set the groundwork for guy for so many for so many guys as you know the Miz alluded to on his horrible segment no it was horrible, horrible the introductory segment you felt well, out of character it, it was definitely out of character but we can give him a pass for that yeah but that's the thing it's it goes to show that you know even guys like the Miz get a pass to honor Roddy but I mentioned that and I only hope that when I become a pro wrestler, uh, I get to cut promos in the same, with the same heart, with the same passion, with the same uh, vivaciousness as Rowdy Roddy Piper. And what's your favorite uh, Piper moment? My favorite Piper moment would have to be the coconut spot. Oh, the coconut going, spot. Going for the cliche. <laughs> no, because it's, honestly, it was something that, I didn't see coming that, you know, when you see it for the first time and then people tell you, oh, yeah, so this happened. And I'm like, oh, it's a coconut. It's incredibly racist. One, it's incredibly racist. But that's Two, it's, an, it's incredibly violent. This is a guy who played the cucaracha and passed it off as a Mexican national anthem. So it's okay. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's the thing with Roddy. It's just that brashness with Jimmy Superfly Snuka just encapsulates what he was all about. He could talk, he could hit you hard, and most of all, he didn't give a shit. My personal favorite uh, Piper was, my, my, the work I, of his that I preferred was more of the latter, uh, latter stages of his career. His no, Legends career? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Not because it was more of the more of the segments or the material that I was exposed to, but it was because he, when he came by, it was like he was an outlier in the present-day WWE, in present-day pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And he was here to make order out of the chaos. Yeah. Uh, he, he was being an elder statesman. And, and, and at he was the always same there time, to, yeah. He was always there to put together the craziness that would come out of, you know, really messy overwritten wrestling storylines and segments and he would be sometimes you would need him to really ramp up an angle for example uh, John Cena and The Rock yeah when he came in between them that made more it made the whole thing make more sense because he brought the reality he brought the emotion he brought out the humanity with Cena and Rock and when he was addressing Cena and what he had to do um with when everyone was turning on him because everyone else loved The Rock. Yeah. You it, you know that it was never something you would get out of the the superstar today ex, except for some rare uh, exceptions like CM Punk. Yeah. Now who was allowed to drop a pipe bomb and shoot. Yeah. And I always liked that. I, I always liked that they were able to um, or they, they allowed him to do whatever it is that he wants to do without much of an without much of supervision. Yeah, supervision, and allow him to set things straight for them. Mm-hmm. But they kind of sometimes they they probably won't admit it, but they needed him to just make sense out of out of shit. And you know that that actually reminds me of one of his segments with AJ Lee and yeah. Daniel Bryan, right? Right. What is this? This is before or after the wedding? Uh, I, 
I don't know. It was Heel Brian. It was Heel Brian. So that was after the wedding. Uh, when he sort of went crazy after all of that stuff. Yeah. The way he was all smarmy with AJ just mm. just made you know that that shot of him kissing her hand is just like, God damn it, you heel. You make sense, but at the same time, that's the most douchey thing you can do. And yet, I don't think you're a douche. Well, at and that time, Brian was a bigger douche. Exactly. And that's the thing. Because Roddy, as much as you'd love to hate him... No, as a kid. As a kid. No, so yeah. some of our guests, actually, some of our guests on the podcast have professed to being Rowdy Roddy Piper fans. Yeah. And that's the thing about him. He's really, really hard to dislike. Even though his motivations aren't always, you know... No, I think now he was harder to dislike. See, you look back, and I mean, with what you have now, you look back and see that okay, people back then knew how to talk. They didn't need scripts. They didn't need direction. They didn't need writing to... Or producers. Yeah, to get whatever it is they had to say. Mm-hmm. And then you you put you know a guy like Roddy from that previous generation in with the superstars now, there's a huge contrast. That's yeah. why you look back fondly. But at the same time, kids back then, you either loved Hogan or Savage or Warrior, the good guys, and you, then you loved Piper, the realistic bad guy. Yeah. And then you obviously never, and no one really likes Andre the Giant because he's just there. Uh, if you know, if you were older than that, you would have loved Andre. Andre was much older. Older. Was but belonged to a, uh, an older generation from the Hogan. Even Hogan. Guys, yeah. So, there. Just. I know that it's been a week, and I know that a lot of things have happened. I mean, Smart Henry's done the whole tribute. Mm-hmm. A lot of people from PWR superstars to WWE superstars have expressed their condolences to Roddy and his family. And, I mean, it's it's all over the place. And it's something that, you know, we didn't really see with Dusty that other organizations would be putting his, you know, a memorial for him in their show. Like Ultima Lucha did mm. this week. And it's it's surprising to me because it's something, you know, it's it speaks to the universality of Roddy's work. I wouldn't say that nobody else did tributes to Dusty. Well, no, no, I didn't see anything from, from LU, from ROH. No, we have to say that we have to consider the fact that uh, Roddy Piper was instrumental in, in the West Coast scene. True. Uh, he was part, he. The reason why he's called the original Rudo is because he was feuding with the Guerreros when they became when they were Los Guerreros. No, no, no. Uh, you know he was feuding with Chavo and Gory. Oh yes. And they were, and that that was in their uh, technical phase. Mm. And they were the royal family of Lucha Libre, and that that's why we have a Lucha Underground tribute. Mm-hmm. And. I, I, I wouldn't compare. I wouldn't compare the two, the two impacts of the deaths. But it's safe to say that both men are loved equally, and very much will be sorely missed. Yeah, I, I just want actually want to apologize to Roddy. Uh, he doesn't know me at all, but <laughs> no, because no, I write the Smart Canyon grapevines. Yes, and I was covering the his little feud with Stone Cold recently. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't like listening to Roddy's podcast. He, com- I love him, but he comes off as an old, a drunk old man on them. Mm-hmm. And I, in this feud, I tended to believe Stone Cold when he was saying that he didn't get Roddy po- fired yeah. from Podcast One. And in that, when I, 
do my opinions, I, I would call him a drunk old man. And, well, yeah, I, I should have known better. And, well, I, I just don't, I, I just feel bad about that. Now you'll never get the chance to apologize to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, oh, well. It's, it's been a rough week for us, but... There are highlights in the world of wrestling this week. Yeah, we talked about Lucha. Let's get right into it. Uh, Lucha Underground has wrapped up its phenomenal, insane oh, first season. Oh, my God. And at this point, before we talk about Ultima Lucha, we can only hope that they come back for a season two. Because, they, because it's it's so good. It's, it's really good. No, it's no, no. no for those who don't know, for those who don't know, the rumors between uh, about Lucha Underground is that nobody ever knows if they're coming back and when they're coming back, if so. Yeah, it's... It's still very much up in the air because El Rey Network hasn't hasn't actually signed on to a second year. Even though they actually did or have advertised a second season. Yes, and they are at the end of the show there is a to be continued oh. blackout and it's just hinting towards the idea that Lucha Underground will be back, which we are very optimistic for. The thing is a show that good. Deserves the second season. No, 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 no not just that. <laughs> a show that good takes a lot of money to produce. It does. Kaya may uncertainty. And even with Mark Burnett funding and producing this shit... No, not just that. El Rey is also And El Rey is backing... Yeah. So you have... No, but you have the... What I meant to say was you have the El Rey Network, you know, the El Rey Network showing this and at the same time Mark Burnett, his ambition mm-hmm. to put on such a good show... And not compromise quality, which makes it work as a whole. And that is what keep you know, the costs of having, you know, something that grand and that well produced. That's I mean, that's the only thing that could really prevent it from having a second season. And there are some people who, you know, don't buy into the hype. Or, you know, just because they don't want to overblow the the hype of Lucha Underground. But I have to say, if Lucha Underground dies without having a second season, it's called status. Uh-oh. Because there's... I mean, if as far as shows with only one season go, this actually ranks pretty high up there. I mean, yeah. close to Firefly. <laughs> but, you know, Firefly and Freaks and Geeks, but not exactly something that needs to die out. Because... If something's going to get the second season, I am really hoping it's Lucha Underground. Right. And so let's talk about the show. Uh, I actually haven't seen the entirety of part two yet, but I've seen all of part one. And it's crazy, but it's not... Part one isn't a mind. Part one isn't a mindfuck the way part two is yeah, a mindfuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because from... Oh, my God. From the start of the, of the show, you know, if you're watching it in a three-hour set... Which you should if you haven't started yet. No, it's fine. Actually, you can watch part one and so on. Then yeah. watch part two. Uh, when you have time. Yeah, when you have time. But if you do you don't want, have to watch it together. If you, you don't have to watch it together. But if you do, that first, you know, it's like that first half. Then you have that intermission where it's like, okay, let's see how they up it. And then they up it. And then it. they up it. <laughs> Good God. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing because you think, you know... Some of these matches on paper don't sound exciting, like Vampiro versus Pentagon Jr. No, no, on paper, on paper, because Vampiro's an old man. Because Vampiro's an old man, or how some people would underestimate the Guardians of the Galaxy Championship (laughs) for because for it being a clusterfuck and a spot fest, 
But at the same time, there's still really, really good matches that came out of this show. And actually, you know, we should do a rundown of this. All right, let's do a rundown. For part one. Part For one. part one. Mm. Wait. Pause. I can start with that. The first match of part one was uh, the Mac versus they call him Cage. And this was brutal. It was a false count anywhere. No, it was like the, I mean, it was like the, tease, the trailer for the Vampiro Pentagon match. Oh, God. But uh, it wasn't as brutal, but it was pretty sick. Fuck, why is my phone... Uh, it only took like around a little under 10 minutes, I think. But the finishing spot was a curb stomp to Cinder Blocks, which is totally not a reference <laughs> to some other guy who does curb stomps on Cinder Blocks. In another... In another freaking league, it's it's so good the way that they do this, and they did it. They did it on top of a, a what's this called on one on top of Dario Cueto's office. Yeah, yeah, which, which is, is now reinforced. Supposedly, yeah, it was fun, and well, I hope that the black guy comes out better next season. The second match was a trios championship match. Between the Disciples of Death, namely Barrio Negro, El Sinestro de la Muerte, and Trece, and Angelico, Ivelisse, and Son of Havoc. Which, you know, some people think that the trios are exciting, but this match just made zero sense. What do you mean? With the rock. With the rock that... What do you mean? That, that, that was a good finish. No, it was a good finish. It was yeah, a good that, finish, that but... That was a logical finish, because that was the only way... That you they could, could actually beat no, but that was the best way to win because it doesn't make uh, Havoc and Angelico any any weaker. But, they actually took out the weak link because she has an Ivelisse. injury. Because during the tape, uh, at the time of the taping, Ivelisse actually was legitimately injured. But the whole rock thing—I mean, I'm, I've been against it from the very start, but then to actually use it to win a championship match just felt a little off for me. Why? Just a bit, just a bit. I mean, it was cool, but then at the same time, it's like... Uh, no, you, you make the underdogs not look like total jabronis. By indu- by inducing the supernatural... No, the rock was used to... He hit her... She hit her with the rock. Yeah, but she also used it to... To what? <laughs> yeah, but she... she blunt, blunt force blunt trauma. Blunt force trauma, exactly. And blunt force trauma always wins over technical wrestling. Not that they aren't technical wrestlers, but it was okay match on its own. Alright, the last match of that part one was I know was Drago versus Hernandez in a Believers Backlash match. Alright, first of all, I thought the Believers Backlash match. Wait, did we talk about this last week? We talked a bit about we touched on it last week. Did we? Just a bit. Alright. But the thing is we did assume no, we, did, that, yeah. that we did assume that all of the believers would have straps. All of them, all of the fans in the arena would have straps, which they should have. Yung pala, pumili ng sila ng ano, ng chosen ones. Who would, you know? No, whip and it actually made sense that only Hernandez would be whipped. Yeah, it's a, that 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 makes more sense because now you have a clear face and a clear heel. Yeah, and at the end of the day, Drago Drago won, and at the same time, barely took a slap from the fans. Yeah. Which works out. Now, on part two, we opened with Johnny Mundo defeating Alberto El Patron. 
Which, well, well, I think El Patron uh, was kind of pissed about that because they were curtain jerking the second part. Yeah. But I don't mind. It's like, uh, guys, come on, you're not like the focus of the show. You're you're two uh, imports from WWE. <laughs> oh, I, have, I have to say, they're kind of imports. They are kind of imports. And uh, it's okay with me that they are curtain jerking. You're saying, even um, going into, heading into the show, I never thought of them as the biggest. Storyline. Oh, they aren't, and they aren't, and it's a testament to Lucha Underground's uh, potential and skill that they were able to make us care about two, at least two superstars or luchadors who are not bigger names. Yes, who are not the biggest names on the roster. And you failed to mention the oh. third surprise appearance oh, oh. of a WWE Girlalu. Girlalu is well, Melina's back. If you haven't heard, back with Johnny Mundo bringing back together the M M&M and M flame without M, without, without the, the other, other M. M, because he's currently off. He's a security guy now. <laughs> he's a segment producer. He's a security guy. Security. He's guard. in security. Bodyguard. Private security. Bodyguard. Private yeah. security. Bodyguard. Private, Bodyguard. Segment. Bodyguard. private segment. Private segment. Bodyguard Bodyguards, bodyguards are just they guard your body. Yeah, private security are they, are they go beyond. Pri- are they not private security? What are you talking about? Because he also acts as a consultant. That's why. That's why he deserves a car and not just you know pay. Okay. So Medina's back helping Johnny Mundo, and I think this is a hint towards what they are trying to achieve in season two, which more is, than anything. Which is what? Which is having Johnny Mundo as a clear rudo with. A manager valet that can also scrap. So Melina's, yeah. you know, how does Melina? Melina? She looks all right. All I mean, right. not as not as you know jiggly as she used to be, but she's old. Because she's a little older. I mean, she was old when she did start with Eminem, but you she know, old. she age, she's aging all right. Next matchup is Tejano. Is it? Tejano? No, it's not Tejano. Oh. <laughs> it's Pentagon versus Vampiro. Okay, the mind fuck. If you haven't known yet, spoiler alert for like the next uh, thirty seconds, I guess. The mind fuck is Vampiro is actually Pentagon's master. What which, do you got? What do you got to say about that? Which I know, is I know, so I know, confusing, because you know, at the start of the match, at the start of the match, you have you have Vampiro coming out as this demonic pope undead Pope a la Undertaker with the what do you call that the incense thing the mirror no what do you call the the well the he has a frankincense thing the frankincense thing he has a frankincense thing and it's weird as fuck and then you think okay what is this a symbolism of he sort of looks like a Sith Lord <laughs> given his makeup and then they pull out this the whole I am your master Unbeknownst to you, not, angle. Now that I think about it, but um, all the times he did Zero Miedo when they were talking about uh, Pentagon in the announcement, like when they were hyping, when you know, you know, when they hype up yeah. the matches in the beginning of the show, yeah. And then he would, do, whenever they talk about Pentagon, it would be uh, Vampiro who does the Zero Miedo hand signs. Mm. Now that I think about it, shit, that was like it was a, it was a slow burn. That was a no foreshadowing, puppy. Very, very far foreshadowing, and that speaks to the production level. Of Lucha Underground. I don't... Yeah, it's confusing, but it's the kind of confusing that, yes, I would like to know more. <laughs> not the... Con- it's a what-the-fuck, what 
But it's but a what the fuck I need to know. Yeah, like, what the fuck is this shit? It's the same what the fuck that kept How I Met Your Mother on air for 10 years. Yeah, pretty much. So, the match itself is actually my pick of the week because holy shit, old man can go. Old man can I still go. I don't agree that much. I In a hardcore match n- no. that doesn't require much. Hindi, it's not even, not even in in the context of a hardcore match. He was really well protected. He didn't have to do much. Uh, his comeback was really slow and uh, relied on Pentagon running around and bumping for him. And Pentagon did a lot of uh, offense work. All the um, Vampiro was only like the, I think the worst or the most strenuous move he did was like the running uh, calf kick. Which wasn't so bad. Yeah, it wasn't so bad. But that was like the everything else was just what setting up spots, punching and setting up spots. That was you know, the hardcore match was a good stipulation to hide his weaknesses. It was, and considering that you know he's been out of action for about ten years now, and considering the guy has actually what six neck surgeries, it's kind of sick. It's kind of sick to this, see him take these. No, months. that guy. No, it's like no, it's like Edge. That like, he can die with one bump. Yeah, he can die with one bump. I guess not as bad, but all the same, if there was uh, if there was a chair shot gone wrong... He'd be dead. Yeah, and he took the fucking flaming table. Ah, God. Not, you know, if you remember WrestleMania 22, when Edge speared Foley on the flaming table... Yeah. I mean, apoy. In this case... In this though. case, the guy was burning for like a good but, three seconds... Outside the ring. Uh, yeah. Which is sick as fuck. Like, I would assume that his shirt was fireproof or whatever. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, had the flame-retarded thing under Yeah, yeah, that, that shit, shit's man. gotta hurt, though. That is fucked up. And he had to, you know what? He had to he had to stand up after the match and, you know, do and the whole segment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. That was painful to watch. Yeah, but it was, you know, it was insane in a good way. Okay. Next up was the inaugural Gift of the Gods championship match between Phoenix, Erosar, Bengala, Big Rick, King Cuerno, Jack Evans, and Sexy Star. With Phoenix coming away with the Guardians of the Galaxy championship. This match Uh, was a spot fest. Yeah, it was. But, you know. It's the good kind of spot fest. There is hardly ever a bad kind of spot fest in this show. There isn't. I mean, everything sort of leads up to something and makes sense in the context of the match. Mm-hmm. But props to Jack Evans. No, pro- props to Jack Evans first for, you know, innovative offense, looking good. But you're going to say? No, the best part of this match was that it wasn't an ending. It was just really to set up <coughs> excuse me, future storylines. Because you got... Um, you, you, I, I counted at least two storylines set up. Marty the Moth. Marty the Moth and Sexy, Sexy Star. Star. But that was like uh, from a carryover from two weeks ago. Yep. And then Davari and Big Rick, after Big Rick decided to sign with his new team, Team Dario Cueto. Hey! But it looks it looks as though that will be for season two. No, that's the, that's the smart part of it. You, you, you still keep on thinking about the next... The, the next step. It's not. It's not a finish to be. It's not just it's a not spot a be fest. all end all. It's not just a spot fest to be a spot fest. At least Skypapano, they're trying to tell a story. And at the same time, when we're speaking, while we're speaking about season two stories that need to happen, mm. 
What about Bengal and King Cuerno? Yeah, yeah. I think that's another story that could be uh, that could have been set up in that match. Because my room is right next to the barbecue. Okay. And at the end of the day, Phoenix walks away with the Gift of the Gods championship, which means he will be getting a championship title opportunity down the line. Whenever he wants. Unless he hangs on to it for too long and, and then, then... He has to defend it. So yeah, we don't know how that's going to work out in Season 2, but it does sound interesting. And Phoenix as a compelling character at that, you know, I'd like to see more of him next season. Now, in the next match was Blue Demon Jr. versus Tejano in a no-DQ match. An impromptu no-DQ match. Impromptu? Why is it impromptu? Because Dario Cueto only announced it before the start of the match. Na no-DQ siya. Na no-DQ siya. And uh, Blue Demon wins to become Mexico. <laughs> pretty much. But you're forgetting the involvement of the crew. Of the, not just the crew. Oh. The crew was there. The crew did sign on to Blue Demon Jr., but also Chavo Guerrero. Well, yeah, of course. So He's part of the crew now. He is, yeah, basically part of the crew. But now we have the three big names of Mexico going at it against one, each other, against one another in a blood feud type thing where you have Blue Demon Jr. representing his family, Chavo representing the Guerreros, and Tejano representing Texas. Mexico. 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 <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're not paying attention. I know, I know. But there, it's basically a feud for who's the best family no, in Mexico. No, it's a feud for who is Mexico. <laughs> so who is Mexico, we will find out in season two. But for now... I feel like when classical Brian Leo is like, when we're all older, yeah. and classical Brian Leo is uh, an elder statesman, and we're all, we're all, we've handed down the... The reigns through the second and third generation of Philippine wrestlers. Yeah. We'd be fighting for who is Philippines. Who is the Philippines? Who, who is Luzon? Who is Bisaya? No, no, no. Who is the now? Philippines? Who is the entire Philippines? Who is Luz Viminda? Even though, you know, <laughs> even though Brian Leo claim, uh, comes from a first world country. But maybe by that time, we'll be a first world country. No, Hello. it doesn't matter. He'll be fighting for who is Philippines. <laughs> for the right to be Philippines. Which should be good. I mean... Uh, Sir Vic, if you're listening, keep that in your pocket for 20 years down the road. <laughs> 30 years or maybe 40. Uh, we'll see. And for our main event, we had Prince Puma defending his Lucha Underground Championship versus Mil Muertes. Now, this match, I have to say, lived up to expectations. But at the same time, you felt as though they could have gone a little further with this. I haven't seen it, so I haven't seen it yet. So uh, you you would have to keep going on why oh why okay. <laughs> you think they could have gone further with it because it's it's as though it's as though it was match one in a series of three. Okay, where you know that that first well, match it, it is kind of match one in a series of three. After this, Puma would still have to have a rematch. Rematch his rematch clause, and then the rubber match. But it feels as though you know they pull out all the stops, a lot of. You know, near finishes, um, some involvement with the stone as well here. Supernatural comes into play a bit. But at the end of the day, 
Mil Muertes shows why he is that unbeatable guy that, you know, is on Undertaker levels of scary. <laughs> because, well, you know, old Undertaker levels of scary. Because if you have a face of fear, it's this guy. Because not only does he have his posse of undead freaks, not only does he have a bad bitch with a immortality stone. I don't know. What what, what do we call it? The, what would we call it? It's a piece of rubble. It's a piece of rubble that contains supernatural powers and helps people, you know, with this supernatural their ability to rise up. He is a bad man, and he showed it in his match, beating Prince Puma cleanly. And at the end of the day, that's something that, you know, we can only ask for. The first match of three, this is pretty good. But, but was it a proper main event for a yes. season finale? For yes, a season it was. finale. Yes, it was. Did it live up to the main event? Main event hype? Like yes, the, it the did. The main event of main events. The main event of the entire season. Yes, it did. It, you know, because if you take if you take a look at it as a whole, this season as a whole, Ultima Lucha was really, really good, but it didn't showcase the best moments of the show. Because we have things like all night yeah. long, All we night have long. things like what? What? What would be some of your highlights from this? Uh, season? Grave consequences. Grave consequences was good. Um, what else? Uh, the trios tournament yeah, was trios really tournament. fun to watch. But then at the end of the day, if we're talking about if it's a singular best match, I might not say that. All right, I might not say Fair that. Enough. But it's Actually, still very solid. My top, my top one Lucha Underground match. For the season would have to be all night long. Yeah, because good God. Like that was like good the best God. Iron Man match I've ever seen so far. So far. And in, in well, this, this year. Generation. This year. This year's as far as Iron Man matches go in the past ten years, this is one of the best. And it just goes to show that Lucha Underground actually understands what they're doing. Wait, somebody died. Bale died. No, not just Bale. Oh. El Dragon Nateka died. He died. He, he's dead. He got <laughs> fed to Matanza again. That was... Wait, when was that? That's, was yeah. yeah. So he didn't get fed to Matanza. He got backstabbed by the girl. Really? Yes. Damn. It's like she, she, so she believed it. She believed it. She was in the cage and then Dario Cueto said something and then... Yeah, and then he was like, yeah. It's kind of cool. Uh, I, I could not wait to see where the rest of the story goes. And, you know, there's a lot of things going on in season two that have already been set up very well, Joss Whedon-esque, like... Joss Whedon-esque. And it's something that, you know, we want to see. So yeah, we, so we really hope that, you know, somebody saved Lucha Underground. If it really is the not end. looking good. <laughs> Damn rumors here. Uh, one day you hear that it's uncertain, the next day you hear, okay, they're going to start taping. The next day you hear, okay, it's not certain again. So we just really want some peace of mind as wrestling fans as to whether we would get the best show again. The best. But I mean, the good things don't last forever, man. So be on your way. Yeah. So that's it for Lucha Underground for the foreseeable future. And that's it for the first part of it. I think it's time to get to Brian Wilson. Yes. Uh, you we, love this guy. We love this guy. Cause, hey, we he's never like thought, us. Never, yeah, he's, he's like, like us. us. He's, 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 he's a handsome, handsome man. But he's like us. He's also he's as handsome a, as he us. He is. Oh, papi. <laughs> Tamayan. Tamayan. 
with Simon. He's a kindred spirit, uh, a wrestling fan and handsome as us. And we wish we actually we actually could have gone much longer with an interview, but we could not we did not have the time. Yeah. But uh, rest We're, assured. We will you will see this man again someday soon. So on with the interview. After the break? After the After break. break. Alright. So stay tuned. Episode 72 of the SGP Podcast rolls on, and this week we have another celebrity inside the booth. Uh, of course, we're recording live at the Mellow 94.7 studios. We're just so happy that we finally got one of the members of One Direction and one of the stars of TV5 Stanuds. Oh, Friend of the podcast. Brian Wilson joins yes. us inside the SGP Podcast. How's it going, Brian? Uh, it's going good. Yeah, I noticed um, I got a little laugh over here. From One Direction. I thought we were really going with the Tanuds. Yes. Star of Thanos, I prefer right yeah, now. Yeah, do over yeah. now. All right, let's Star do it over. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the stars oh, of, P- of, of TV5 Thanos. Yes. I was about to say PWR because we'd love for you to be a PWR star one day. I'd love to be PWR's Brian Yo. Wilson. Yeah, Brian Wilson, be. inside the podcast. We got to talk about, uh, first and foremost, I, your love I, of wrestling. Can I tell a, a One Direction story? First? Yes, okay. Oh, okay. God. Oh. So, so I don't I know. Might, I might have heard this. I no, hear no, a lot no, of no, one no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't even think you remember this, but okay. um, I think it was in 2013 or early last year. You guys went to drop by my office. Um, I don't know. Hinge Inquirer. Hinge Inquirer. I don't know if you even remember that. Uh, I remember one time doing like a tour of different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it was yeah, one of those. Like that, and then yeah. you guys were being introduced by our former HR head. And I'm like, and then he's like, oh, hey guys, this is Juan Direction. I'm like, who? <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck are these white guys? How dare you? <laughs> I didn't know who they were. But what I'm, a I'm, heel. No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't watch TV5. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, yeah. Miko. <laughs> Miko Lavello, if you're Nico listening. Lavello, friend of the podcast who works with Brian Wilson and Tynods. And uh, I literally did not know who One Direction was. So I think we got to start with a story and yeah. about how that came together. Okay. Well, I just want to reassure you that's not a new thing that people like, who? Who? <laughs> or the more common thing is we get introduced and people are like, One Direction? Are you touring in the Philippines? I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought, one I thought it was one O-N-E Direction the yeah. band San Loves. Right. Yeah. So so the, I'm a Directioner, yeah, but anyway. <laughs> exactly. So there are a lot of Directioners. So we do get that. Obviously, the real Directioners would know straight away that we're not them. Yeah. But some people who've just heard the name One Direction, they really think it's us as them. And they're like, why are you here in the Philippines? And then they hear us talk Tagalog and like, hey, Tagalog's so good. You've only been here for a week <laughs> so yeah it's, it's kind of weird but we expected it a lot and it did happen a lot in the beginning um, but the backstory is uh, me and my friends who are the who make up the cast of One Direction we already had a YouTube channel called Island Media Asia mm-hmm. where we make videos about um, it's basically like fish out of water videos like half, we're all half some things I'm half British uh, my, I had two friends who are half British and then we have a half Canadian mm-hmm. half Irish and we're all half something, half Filipino. So it's our stories and what we've done to try and acclimatize to the Philippines and learn about the culture. Right. And TV5 saw that and they just liked it and they gave us a show, which was One Direction. So which that was is kind not of horrible. Honestly, yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's very watchable. Right. Well, you know, we would like to think that it's one of the more watchable <laughs> shows around, yeah, well, not just because we're in it. Not, not just because you're in it, but for TV5 production. 
Thank you very much. So you're all half Filipino. Uh, everyone in the group is half Filipino. Yeah, we're all and half, half Filipino and half something else. And half something else. Um, but uh, within the group, I'm the one who probably looks the least Filipino. Yes. Like I kind of just look pure Filipino. But <laughs> some people like that I've known for years still come up to me like, I still think you you just lie about being half Filipino. Let me see your passport. They say things like that. I'm like, wow. But have you lived here all your life, or did no. you emigrate here? Yeah, I, I moved here around um, seven years ago now. Yeah. Seven years ago, I grew up in the UK. Um, I was born here, mm -hmm. but I grew up in the UK. And then around seven years ago, I wasn't really doing too much. So I came here on vacation, and I just asked them to leave me here. And luckily, they were, they were good enough to, kind enough, I don't know if that's kind, but to say, yeah, stay. We'll leave you and go back to England. Wow. So I stayed here, and then the, the gamble kind of paid off, and yeah, I'm still here having fun. But what did you do in, like, the first year or two? I mean, One Direction took off, like, two years ago, right? Exactly, yeah. So before um, 2013, what were you doing? Well, as with most halfies, um, <laughs> we, you know, most halfies who come to the Philippines get into modeling and do right. different modeling type things. Mm -hmm. And for me, being from the background I'm from, I'm from a small like town in Yorkshire, England. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird living the life of a model and being a model. And I didn't really, I didn't really feel like a model. Yeah. Um, but I was doing it to to get by and make money, and yeah, that supported me for the first few years. And um, but during that time, what I really wanted to be was um, a stuntman or martial arts actor or choreographer. Wow. Because it's a passion I had in the UK. I would make videos with my friends, um, directed, choreographed, and performed all by us. Um, and they were always martial arts-themed videos. So I was doing these action videos, and it's what I really wanted to do here in the Philippines as well. So the first few years while I was modeling, I was also trying to do that and making videos as well about that. And how did that turn out? Like, Did, did it get any attention? Um... A little bit. I mean, um, I got in contact with a few, like, action directors, and I've done, like, small things in a few films here and there. I got to show off a few stunts. I was in um, Bonifacio last year, mm -hmm. where I was killed by uh, Robin Padilla. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that was good, yeah. being killed by Robin. and um, Things like that. But um, the, the most I've really got to showcase it was in uh, Tanuds, which we mentioned earlier, um, because the director, who's also been in your show, Miko. Miko. He's a massive wrestling fan, and he knows about my um, martial arts background as well. So he gave me an action scene, a chase action scene, where I got to do this fight scene. And then my finishing move was a choke slam. I got to choke slam a guy through a table. So, <laughs> so you got to cool. choose that yourself? Well, no, he, he choreographed it. He came up with it, but I was like, that's really cool. Yeah, I get to do a choke slam. It, was, it came off really good. It For people really who want to see this, this choke slam scene, yeah. what, what episode of Thanos is this on? So uh, it's episode 10 of Thanos, okay, so the last which one. you can find. Previous yeah. one. Previous one, yeah. yeah. And the name of the episode is, uh, fittingly, Hey Joe. Hey! <laughs> episode 10, Hey Joe. And it's a backstory of my character. So. But did you ever get that, like, as a, as a halfy, as you would call it, oh, and yeah. as someone who looks... Relatively whiter than the rest right, of us. Right, right. Relatively whiter than the rest of us. Quite whiter yeah, than the rest of yeah. us. Basically. <laughs> Not even relatively, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, all the time growing up. Because um, even though I, I grew up in the UK, I would come to the Philippines and vacation a lot here. Mm -hmm. um, in Rosario Cavite. Uh, okay. We had a house there. That's where your mom is from? Yes, that's where my mom's from. That's where I was born. Oh. I was born in the house in Cavite. Oh, okay. yeah. So you had midwives all around you? I don't even know if, I don't think we had midwives. Like, we probably did. Obviously, I'm here and I'm alive and healthy. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it happened, but they did it the real, like, ghetto way of doing it. <laughs> and I just remember them telling me the story that when I was born, like, my auntie was there, my auntie Mercy. 
Uh, the first thing she shouted when I was born was "puti puti puti." <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, apparently, the whole the whole barangay heard it. Like, wow, okay. So people so were gambling on whether you'd be brown yeah, or white. Well, I never looked at it that way, but maybe that's what it was. Yeah, it was it was a gambling thing. Some people weren't good on that one. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> so he was natural born. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Right. So you're from Rosario Javita. That's where yeah. your mom's side is from. Your dad is from Yorkshire, England. Yes. Um, would you know if there were like any wrestlers who were part of or, or from Yorkshire, England? Okay. There's got to be something. Eh? There's gotta be I know something. there's a wrestling circuit there. Yes. But I'm not. I grew up with WWF and all that, right, so right. I'm not really aware of it. But the guy I can think of that comes to mind who's from somewhere close to Yorkshire is yeah. um, William Regal, who's from Manchester. Uh, Manchester is like um it's in a county which yeah, is like the neighboring county, county yeah. to Yorkshire. So Manchester's in Lancashire. It's right next to Yorkshire where I'm from. So William Regal is, a, I guess, the local lad who made big in the WWF. Wow. So uh, Manchester is, is like, how, how near is it? Is it like an hour drive? It's about an hour, yeah, from where I'm from. That's, uh, yeah, an hour to Manchester. Yeah, but growing up, did you ever get to watch uh, WWF Live or, you know, lo- um, local indie wrestling? I never watched WWF Live, but yes, indie wrestling. I watched a local. A very local production in like the next town, and basically instead of having their own wrestlers, they just had knockoffs of all the current wrestlers. Oh, okay, okay. Of the yeah, yeah. So there was like uh, a rock wannabe, a Stone Cold. This is during the Attitude Era, so it's like yeah. rock wannabe, Stone Cold wannabe, Undertaker wannabe, all the big wrestlers at the time. It was just all copies of them. I just loved like the Rock guy was just a white guy with a bad spray tan <laughs> <laughs> because they couldn't find someone who matched his ethnicity. So it was just like a white guy with a spray. I remember he was walking by and someone slapped him on the back really hard. Yeah, and he like turned around and gave the eyebrow to the guy. <laughs> like, oh, this guy's pretty good. He's pretty good. <laughs> so you watched all of this as a child, I assume. But as a as a kid, were you ever smart enough to like? Uh, you know, were you ever privy to the fact that these guys are just wannabes? Right. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, I was probably around. 10 or 11 at the time and yeah I knew of course yeah uh, even seeing the poster which is this really cheaply made poster yeah. uh, with the pictures that were like badly photoshopped if they had photoshop at the time like 99 I don't know um, and you could tell it was just this fake thing but we just went along for the laugh and we loved it it's always, it's always about the atmosphere when you watch the live things right. and it had that so yeah it was fun so how did this love affair with wrestling all begin because everybody's got a story and everybody has to start somewhere so where, okay. where did yours begin well for me it happened when I was uh, uh, at a friend's house when I was around seven or eight years old, and he had cable. I didn't have cable at the time. This is um, in the UK. In the UK, yeah. Um, maybe like one in five families had cable, so I had like one or two friends that had cable, and um, I was at my friend's house and wrestling was on. And when I first saw it, when I was about seven, I was like, "What?" I was like scared. I thought it was real, obviously, <laughs> like a lot of kids did yeah, at that time. Yeah, at that time. But at the same time, it was being like. I was kind of like, whoa, I was a bit, I don't know, a bit of a wimp at the time, I guess, because I was like, these guys are really hitting each other on TV, and it isn't boxing, they're not wearing gloves. I was kind <laughs> of like freaked out by it, but then eventually I got hooked on it. Um, but I didn't have cable myself, so I always had to go to my friend's houses to watch it. And then I remember my other friend, uh, who had cable as well. Mm-hmm. If you've got to have a friend who has cable, yeah. that's the moral of the story. <laughs> <laughs> a young kid in England, find a friend who has cable. So we had another friend, and he said he would... Um, if you gave him a videotape, he would record Raw for us every week oh, and oh. then give it to us. And at the time, that was when you could just tape things off yeah. TV, right? Yep. So, yeah, me and my friend gave him a tape, and we paid him something like two pounds, which is like 140 pesos, like yeah. a pound each. 
and we'd give it to him and then he'd record it for us every week and we'd take it back and we'd watch it and have the time of our lives watching it. And then, of course, inevitably try to imitate all the moves afterwards, which you're not supposed <laughs> to do, but everyone does. <laughs> Ever. But, everyone, but everyone does. <laughs> but everyone does, exactly. So... Yeah, it was that. Uh, that was around the Attitude Era time, like I mentioned. I grew up in that era. And it was just me and my friend Sam. Sam, if you're listening, you're, like, thousands of miles away. But it was me and Sam we would, like, watch together and then co- uh, copy the moves afterwards. Hey, Sam. So who was the first wrestler that got you hooked? Like, there has to be a story and a wrestler that made you say, I want to follow this guy. Okay, who was that? It, it's, it's a cliche, but attitude era it was all about stone cold the rock and triple h basically right mm-hmm. okay. um so it was the rock for me i know he's gone on to have the best career and i think the reason he did is because he had the most charisma and he had the best mic skills and he just he had it yeah and as a kid growing up that really hooked you just the way he could like uh take someone down a notch just by with his promos right he mm-hmm. could like with mankind with triple h he, they, he had them in his pocket whenever he was on the mic so i really love that about him i I'd la- i would laugh at him most of the time i would love his promos i would love watching the rock even though he was a heel even though he was a heel i think that's also the beauty of it like even when he was a heel people loved to hate him which is kind of the same for a lot of heels but it doesn't always work out yeah like some people actually really hate the heels but back in the day i think with the rock people loved to hate him so when he was a heel. Which, um, which match or which storyline from The Rock resonated with you? Like, um, it could okay. be the very first one or the, the favorite rivalry that you really followed. The favorite rivalry was um, I owned the VHS of this event um, called Backlash. Mm-hmm. I think it was Backlash 99, where Backlash. it was The Rock versus Stone Cold. And they had this famous, like, I don't know if it was an Anywhere Goes match, but they were all over the place. I remember at one point, that's the one where they ended Stone up... Cold. On like the commentator's table, The Rock had the camera on his shoulder, oh, yeah. and he like he gave him the yeah, fingers, and, and, then, and, then, and then, then, then did he yeah, stun him or stun him? He stunned him, yeah. So that's the famous one that it was during that rivalry that I was so into it, and I was like, yeah. I think it might not have been backlash, but it might have been an in your house. <laughs> it may <laughs> have. It may have been one of those in your houses, but I remember right. that match. I remember right. that match. It's a classic match, and uh, it had some other really good matches on it as well. It had like mankind versus big show boiler room brawl which was amazing it was like there's so much blood and they had this crazy match in the boiler room and it was just an awesome event but that was when it was a rock and stone cold they were at the heat of their rivalry how old were you at the time i mean you know to be just so mm. excited to see all the gore all the blood right i was around 10 or 11 i think at that time so it's between yeah so from about eight until around 13 i was like crazy about it just and watching it stop. Did you ever think that you know living in the UK, wrestling is more accessible to you than it is right. to, you know to guys like us? Of so, course, yeah. did you ever see uh, a, a career in it, or did you ever think that you know what <laughs> I want to try being a pro wrestler? Of course, everyone that wa- uh, watched it at the time, they copied the moves because they wanted to be, be that. Yeah, yeah. Be yeah. guys. Um, yeah, I'd say me and all my friends who watched it wanted to, but of course, as kids, you don't really have realistic expectations of what you want to do with your life. So right, exactly. even if you're a 10-year-old and you want to be a wrestler, it doesn't mean that you realistically want to be a wrestler when you grow up. So it's something I just followed for fun. Um, uh, actually, just until I heard about PWR, which is a local um, promotion, that's when I was like, wait, there's a local promotion? And I love doing stunts. I love... Uh, wrestling, why not try out for that? If there are guys doing it locally who uh, 
Yeah, exactly. So I thought that's when I thought maybe I can come along one time and try it out. Which brings us to the story of him actually coming along one time yeah. and trying it out. Yeah, but how, how did you hear about it in the first place? Because, um, you know, PWR is a very young brand, right? Right. And um, I, I, I'm, I've always been very curious how it got to your circle or to you. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, it was through two people I know. So Miko Livello, the director of Panods, who's a huge wrestling fan. Hi, Miko. Hello, Miko. <laughs> and also Ira Villar, who's my... He's kind of my mentor in stunts and fight choreography. He's a fight director in the Philippines. He's worked on a lot of films and commercials and... And he's All a very nice guy. He's a very nice guy as well, and of course a huge wrestling fan. So uh, they both were at one of the PWR events, and um, I remember seeing their Instagram posts the night that they went there. Yeah. Miko posted like five... Uh, videos throughout the right. night yeah. and all of them I was like I watched and I was like whoa this looks like a lot of fun like there was um, a crazy move where one of the guys jumped on oh, the balcony I was about to ask yeah, yeah. I was about to that ask that one and, yeah and the crowd was so pumped as well just from watching the videos you could see how pumped the crowd were Yeah. so I was watching those I was like Miko, Ira, bring me along to the next one. It looks awesome. I want to be a part of it. Either just watch it or, if my, Ira, if you could hook it up and we could train with them, I'd love to do that too. So that happened. Um, it actually happened. You and Ira got to train at Boot Camp. Um, right. How did that how come did that about? Hap- yeah, I'm, I'm still very curious <laughs> how it happened. That was literally just Ira contacting me and saying, uh, I got in contact with one of the guys and I know when and where they train. They've invited me <laughs> along. I said, okay, let's go and try it out. Um, I think Ira... Uh, he's, his wife works for TV5, and mm. I think there was some interest there. I don't know. I don't want to go into it because I don't know if I'm allowed to say sure, sure. Yeah. much. But um, I just know he knew someone from uh, PWR who said we could come along and try it out. And take us through the experience of you entering, entering the gym and then you know, seeing the guys for the first time okay. and going through wrestling training, you know, even for just one day. Okay. This dude was really for early. Day. Yeah, actually, he was really early for the for the for the practice session. Right. Well, yeah. when I'm when I'm doing something that I really want to do and have like a prolonged not career but something that I want to have a prolonged interest try, yeah. in. Exactly. I'm eager and I want to do it. So that means if I'm told to be there at this time, I'll be there at that time and I'll give my all. So I was there with Ira, and um, we walked in and it's just. They were training in a... Well, you guys were training yeah, yeah, in... Yeah, we were. It's like a Muay Thai boxing gym, right? right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I've been to lots of those anyway because I train in Muay Thai and do things like that. But then going in there and then instead of people... Instead of seeing people, like, hitting bags, it's you guys just, like, chilling and just, like, talking about wrestling and stuff. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, this is where at, I want to be. Beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the in the start. beginning. Right, right. And then um, we go out and kill ourselves. Right. <laughs> and then eventually, um, once more people turned up and we, we started the whole thing, um, it wasn't just about going straight in and learning the moves and doing all your favorite moves. We went through this long and rigorous warm-up. Oh, right. yeah. Uh, which was the notorious warm-up. Yeah, it was something akin to, uh, like, a CrossFit session. <laughs> it was, like, it was, yeah, even... I was in pretty good shape at the time, and I had a hard time. What? It was tough. I was tired at the yeah, end of it. Yeah, but you didn't show it. You barely showed it during well, the session. I think that's what it's about. Even if you're aching, you have to try and hide it, right? Was Which is what a lot of wrestlers do. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Was it was it anything like you were expecting? It it was and wasn't. Wasn't meaning um, there were a few things that surprised me. Mm-hmm. So I I, don't, I was already aware of how hard it was to be uh, a wrestler. Like yeah. I knew, you know, I went through the same phase <laughs> I think a lot of people might have gone through where I loved wrestling as a kid. And then with the birth of UFC... 
you, you transition you to grow, that. You transition to UFC, and I'm still a huge UFC fan, but when you first do that as a teenager, and you see wrestling, you're like, oh, it's so fake. Do you, UFC is a real thing. Do you do it? just fake. Right. Uh, but then you mature, and you get older, and then you start to realize, wait, WWF never really... Look, they're, they're calling themselves WWE now, entertainment. I know there were legal issues there, but that explains what it is. It's entertainment. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to be real anymore. So once you realize it's just there for entertainment, and also you just appreciate what these guys are doing to themselves every week. They are real athletes. They're, even though it's not a real fight, yeah. they're still punishing their bodies, and they're still doing this week in, week out. They're punishing their bodies so much. So for me, I knew what it took... I knew, you know, the physical strains it put in your body to be a a pro wrestler. So even just the one session, I knew that it was going to be tough and I was going to be putting my body through stuff I wasn't used to. Even though I've done stunts before, it's a completely different kind of stunt that you're doing when you're doing wrestling. How different is it? Yeah, I mean, how how different Um, is it? Like uh, the stunt work versus uh, actually getting in the ring. Okay, well, it's it's kind of small things. So when you're doing stunts and you take a fall, um, the way you take a fall is... You kind of, um, let's you say, the fall, yeah, you can press a bit more and you can, like, uh, you can make it look theatrical, but the, the point is to do it so it, it looks painful, but it isn't, which is also true in wrestling. But in wrestling, you have the canvas and the ring. Yeah, right. and, and you, you lay out. You lay out and you, like, slap the canvas. And there's something uh, me and Ira had a few problems with because we were doing the stunts and we are doing the falls like we would, like, in a film or a TV show. Mm-hmm. But it's very different, the technique, when you're wrestling because you have to... Like you said, you slap out and you uh, make your body wide and you just make it look like a big impact when you hit the ground. Um, and also doing that puts a lot of strain on your neck, which yep. is why I was yep. going to say that I was not expecting that for like one or two days afterwards, I couldn't really move my neck too well. Because you're constantly hitting the, you're constantly landing on your back and your head is just bouncing up and down every time. Yeah. So if you don't Child. have a conditioned neck, you feel it. And you I took your chin. <laughs> Yeah, tuck your chin, yeah. So it's it's different. It's just small things in how you fall, how you react as well. Because mm-hmm. in films and uh, um, TV shows, obviously, when you get hit, it's all about the camera lining up. Yeah. And then you just swing past the face and they react. Yeah. Yeah. But here, the camera isn't going to line up, or there might not even be a camera. Right. right. Yeah. So you just have to, like, sell, sell it. it. Yeah, yeah you, you have to sell it in a way that it looks like it's connecting, but it's not. So it's very different. The techniques are very different. I just wanted to say, Kanina, that even though the techniques are different, uh, I think you too, you and Ira, took to it pretty well, right? And I would really love to see this guy in a PW ring someday. So what's, what stopped you from coming back to training? <laughs> well, this is just a purely, like, lazy lifestyle kind of thing. Where it's like the training was on a Sunday morning in Alabang. Uh, I had a lot of fun, but I can't really commit to every Sunday morning in Alabang. Yes. And it's something as simple as that. Like, if it was, like, every Thursday or Wednesday afternoon or evening, mm-hmm. I would be there all the time. Like, as long as I didn't have something else, I would be there. Um, but Sunday mornings in Alabang is a bit hard to do. But I still want to go. If I can yeah. clear my schedule and just change my lifestyle and be like, I'm going to wait. I'm gonna wake up every Sunday morning now so I can go and do wrestling, I would do it. How about we tell the ladies to party on Sunday night instead of oh, Saturday yeah, night? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> change everyone's partying habits in Manila. That's how to do it. Sunday socials, you know. Yeah. Sunday socials at pool club. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. But, I, yeah, Talking I would like you, to. Mikel. <laughs> now, I've got a question about your boot camp experience. Did uh, did the boys put you through that, that uh, ritual where they all give you a chop? Cut. Cannot. Oh, cut. Cannot, man. Cannot. 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 I thought we did before. No. no. Oh, okay, I didn't know. 
Oh, right. the, the new boot campers aren't supposed to know. Ah, uh, okay. Because oh. I, I, I thought we discussed Is that something you're not supposed to talk about? It's the surprise. It's the, oh. the hazing. Yeah, it's the... It's the chop yeah. is... Is that the one on the chest? The one that we're yeah, yeah, yeah. Backhand, yeah. Oh. All right, my bad, my bad. Well, if I would have answered that, I would have said no, they didn't. No, we didn't. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, let's just cu- uh, cut we'll that in post. That. Um, right. um, ah, RevOX. RevOX, yeah. Okay. Right. So, let's talk about uh, actually attending a PWR event, because you mentioned that you first heard about it on social media. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so Miko and Ira took you to Revolution X last May. And I, I actually recall seeing you in the front row. And uh, you, you were with some friends. Were, were they uh, your co-hosts in One Direction? Um, no, I invited them, but they like had a party going on that night, and me being the wrestling geek, I was like, oh, I'll skip this party to go and watch wrestling. So That's they were the all right doing decision exactly. every time. Yeah, priorities, right? It is. So how I is get it? wasted on when, when you can watch guys like some data fight? Exactly. Okay, Camus. <laughs> so how is that like? Uh, like you, you went to you know you went to Revolution X, yeah. and uh, that was your first time experiencing PWR. Take us through that. Okay, so. Uh, my immediate uh, reaction or feeling was just walking and being like, whoa, it's really hot in here. <laughs> it's yes, incredibly it hot. It was the event. height of summer. Good yes. idea coming in with in a and tank top. Right. Tank top, yeah. Even me, I came in with a tank top and I was still really hot. So that was the first uh, thing that popped into my head. But then, obviously, the reason it was hot as well, because it's an old building and there are lots of people there. Like, lots of people were watching. I mean, Ira and Miko told me that compared to the last event, there were way more people. So right. yep. for me, just straight away, I was like, well, so this... Uh, this promotion has grown in popularity already and the people looked like they were excited to see it and then they were making a lot of noise even before it started everyone you know there was an excitement going around like oh there's a buzz there's a buzz so and it was exactly like that once it started people going crazy for all the all the matches and even if you're not familiar with the wrestlers which i wasn't at the time it's still such a fun time and such a fun experience to be a part of just because the way they interact with the audience is so much fun and the way the audience like gives back and holds abuse and the way they oh, play yeah. with it, it's so much fun. It's so much fun to be a part of. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a really great experience and I would definitely go to the next one. So coming yes. off of that one show experience, yeah. who would you say is your favorite wrestler from PWR? Okay, my favorite, um, Jake DeLeon. What about JDL? Yeah, what about him? Um, with me, okay, I don't want to sound boring, but it's just from... Well, actually, him and Bombay Suarez, they just impressed me with their technical wrestling skills. I just, I'm looking at, I guess it's boring that I'm looking at it from like a technique no, standpoint. It's boring right. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. We, we, the, do it, we do it all the time. Exactly. The so there were other guys that I really like, were, was entertained by, like their character, their on mic skills, and all that. But with like class, classical Brian Leo. Um, Who's awesome as well? Like like the way he came in at the end and took the title, that was really cool. Um, but in terms of the match, like the the match that they put on, JDL and Bombay, like it was just so entertaining to see two guys go at it and display like a full amount of moves, like a full array of moves, like you'd see in the WWE. It was awesome. Um, let me uh, sidetrack for a bit because I okay. uh, you mentioned that you were impressed by the technical skills mm. and um, you've hung around wrestling fans in the Philippines and you've hung around wrestling fans in the UK. Okay. And you know British wrestling has this this um, I, I wouldn't say it's a stereotype but it's a label where you know catches catch can is the cool thing okay. or you know British wrestling is kind of synonymous with catches catch can. So um, you gravitating towards technical wrestling is that a British thing? Um. No, I, I'm, I'm not going to put me gravitating towards uh, technical wrestling as a British thing. I'm going to put it just because I'm into the whole stunt thing and being in the martial, artist. the martial arts side of it. Yeah. So that's why I appre- uh, appreciate wrestling in general, because 
aside from the theatrics and everything, I appreciate what they do and what they uh, have to do on a regular basis and what they put their bodies through. And it, they are basically stuntmen who just do stunts and work week in, week out, and they put their bodies through a lot of punishment. So. I respect that, and I especially respect the guys who have good in-ring skills, the guys who wrestle really well. So that's why I really enjoyed that particular match with JDL and Bombay Suarez, because I just admired what they were doing in the ring. Going back to uh, Filipino fans and, like, British fans, um, okay. since you've experienced, like, both sides of the fandom, what can you say are, like, the similarities and the differences of the Filipino wrestling fan and the British wrestling fan? Okay, well, I grew up with wrestling uh, in the UK as a kid. So it's kind of hard to compare because I was a kid surrounded by kids and we're all kids who loved wrestling. <laughs> um, so as kids who enjoy wrestling, you know, you're crazy for it and all you want to do is watch it and then, like I said, copy the moves and you get together. Even at school in the playgrounds, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> lunchtime, it's all kids doing wrestling kick. moves. So just, drop kick. Oh, my God. Doing like the Jim Ross voice, the Jerry Lawler <laughs> voice and just replicating everything they can. It's just a young boy thing, right? So... As an, I've spent most of my adult life here in the Philippines, so I don't really know what it's like to be an adult wrestling fan in England, so I can't compare that. Okay. But That's being fair. in the Philippines um, and being around uh, people who are wrestling fans, like, it's, actually, I did watch wrestling here as a kid. when I, I lived here once for a year in, like, 99, 2000, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember watching wrestling a lot then. I had a few, a few wrestling friends wrestling fan friends and uh yeah they loved it just as much as so there i can compare it so the kids i was around here in the philippines at the time they loved it just as much as my friends in england it was just a smaller group of people because it was like you said it was less accessible yeah but the ones who did watch it loved it and were just as crazy about it as my uk friends at the time so like they were saying all the quotes even if the english wasn't perfect they were yeah. still trying to copy what the wrestlers said right, right which yeah. is uh yeah which is amazing to me and i really appreciated that so yeah it was a say i'd say if something's big it's kind of like with the ufc the way that's becoming popular here now yeah. i went to like um were you, at the last, were, were, you, were you at the last show though the, the ufc, the show? UFC show yeah ufc manila yeah, yeah i was there yeah all of us uh, were there too oh there. okay well yeah show. it was a pretty good show yeah but I, I just i'm just it's never surprising when you see how popular something has become here now yeah. like in the rest of the world and i don't think uh, the people who are fans of it appreciate it in a different way like when something's universal everyone loves it for the same thing i think so i'd say it's pretty comparable uh, the fans in the uk the fans here they just love it because they love it and they're entertained by it um before we started recording i remember you told us about when you were at revolution x and you won the prize like everyone oh, else yeah. who won before you were kind of <laughs> on the fence about going into the ring and grabbing it right. and then when you were when you won you're just like yeah i'm gonna grab this right now oh yeah yeah, yeah. So, uh, tell us about you know just the fan experience, like from winning the prize <laughs> to actually taking part in the chants. Right. How's that like? Well, um, I'm not usually very lucky when it comes to uh, raffles or you know, <laughs> winning prizes. So that in itself was a big deal, just me winning. So I was just there sitting there, and it was during like the intermission of the show, mm-hmm. and I just I, I was hyped. I I'd enjoyed yeah. what I'd seen in the first half, and I was just in it. I really didn't expect to win. I saw the other guys winning as well, and like I said, they were kind of you know. They don't really want to get in the ring. They're shy to get in the ring and claim their prize. And I think just because I was so surprised to hear my name, and I never win these things, I was so excited and happy. And at the same time, I'm not shy because of my experience on TV about yeah. getting up and being in front of people. So because the excitement just took over, I just, like, jumped in the ring. I was like, yeah, I grabbed the cards. And I was, I was like, uh, oh, you remember me? I, was, I trained I was with like, you yeah, that yeah, one time. Yeah, I remember this guy. And then it's like, so I think you got Rick Steiner. Rick, Rick Steiner. Steiner. Rick Steiner card. Thank you, Martin Vicencio. 
Wait, that is Martin. Yeah, yeah, that was Martin. Was. Yeah, that's Martin. Thank you, Martin Vicentio, for sponsoring us with your WWE cards from time to time. Right. Yeah. So yeah, and then it's like I remember that you you came up to me and I was just like yeah, so I was like yeah, I remember this guy. <laughs> He's that really really athletic guy who can do like a mother. We should have on the show. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, you! I forgot I can swear on this. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, you can. It was, it was fucking good. Hey! <laughs> 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 I can never swear when I do any public appearances. So this is good. Yeah. There's an on and off <laughs> switch, right? Right. Yeah. 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 With me. Yeah. It's an on and off switch. I just turned it's it on for that record, one sentence. <laughs> yeah. It's like Thirty minutes in and right. first curse word. Yeah, fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, like, yeah. I got in there, and then I, I got the trading cards from you. Yeah. And it's like, how, and then, so he goes up, and he's like, how much is worth on eBay? I'm like, not much. <laughs> it's Rick Simon. It's Rick Simon. <laughs> but um, even once he told me that, I still couldn't hide my yeah. excitement. I loved it. <laughs> I mean, like, when, when we get the cards as well, it's like, oh, hey, this is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I can't exactly. deny. Yeah. What was your favorite chant from the night? Because um, every oh. PWR event is just filled with lots of creative chants from the audience. The, there were two that I remember in particular. One of them, I'm glad this isn't a PG show, because one of them was just, you suck dick. You suck dick. <laughs> Which I was like, yeah, that, that's subtle. But, you know, it's not like in WWE where it's just, you suck. And You know, there are good ones in WWE, but I just liked how this was just so direct. You suck dick. You don't just suck. <laughs> so I was like, you suck dick. You suck dick. And there was the greatest payoff for that when um, classical Brian Leo at the end was like, oh, yeah? I suck dick just like your mum's in Burgos. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Dad, yeah, you still remember good. that one. Yeah. I told all my friends that line uh, just to give them an example of how much fun of it was. Of what they're missing. <laughs> yeah. You, you know how difficult it is for, for let's say, for me to put on that stoic face at right. ringside when Brian Leo just uh, tries to claw back at right. the audience. I'm like, oh, shit, it's too good. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun watching him. He's really good at that. So that one stuck out. And then um, the other one is very random. And it's just during one of the matches, one of the wrestlers kept going, Su! Su! And like, that's his, like, um, yeah, it's like the karate gonna, thing, yeah. Oos! when you do the thing. Yeah, He'd always yeah. say, Su! whenever he threw a strike. Yeah. And um, the, the crowd picked up on that for some reason. So eventually it got to the point where, I should stop doing that. It got to the <laughs> point where uh, every move this guy threw during the match, everyone in the crowd would be like, Su! 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 Which was very it's, random. It's never ending now. It always happens it, it, now. That's been yeah, yeah, it's been a thing since the show before that. I oh, think. okay. I thought it just yeah. started during that match. Okay, so yeah, that I thought that was very random, but it was very funny. It, <laughs> actually, it is one of it. the most random chants that right. we've had. Yeah, like some dude brought a sign that said "Sue" at the last Sue. show. Yeah, <laughs> and we were just, at, least, at least we're creating our own culture. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be weird if you saw that kind of chant in any other promotion. So <laughs> that was very unique. I loved it. So you've seen a show in the UK, right? Like that yeah. uh, WWE bootleg show. Yeah. And and then uh, Revolution X. Um, can you compare those experiences, though? Oh, okay. Well, in terms of atmosphere, it was very similar. It was just a lot of fun, and everyone's having a good time. And like I said, the crowd, the interaction with the crowd and the wrestlers, very similar. You know, these smaller shows have this certain charm where that's, what, that's really what it's about. It's about engaging the audience. And if you're not engaging the audience, then they're not having a good time. And it doesn't matter how good of a wrestler you are. Only a few people will appreciate that. Yeah. So you need to engage the audience. And they both shared that, the, the bootleg show in the UK and PWR. Um, but the difference was um, PWR wasn't about knockoffs. It was about guys creating their own characters and their own storylines. And I found that very interesting that even though I wasn't really 
I wasn't aware of the storylines and what was going on. Mm-hmm. I was fully into it by the end of the night. So when classical Brian Leo came in and took the title from Jake after he just won it, that was crazy. And I was like, whoa, that was a shocking moment. So I love that. About it. it wasn't just guys trying to be like WWE superstars. It was guys creating their own storylines and their own drama, which is what we love about wrestling in the first place. Okay. So you just talked about, you know, making your own thing. Um, considering that, you know, you may someday get in the ring. Mm. What would your character be? <laughs> just, just, oh. just have you ever you thought about ever it? Thought yeah. about you it. know, funnily enough, I did. <laughs> hey! Hey, there you go. Um, this, this one, uh, I made this guest appearance on a show where I had to, um, I was like debunking action movie myths. Okay. So I was doing these things where I was like diving through the air with a gun and trying to hit targets <laughs> while I was shooting. And then I just gave myself this name, which is like Boy Puti. Points for Banyaga. Plus points. Exactly, right? So I thought if I ever did get into wrestling, I could be like Boy Puti or something. But I didn't know if that really had a ring to it, even if it was kind it of funny. It does have a ring to it. it. No, it does. Yeah. Right. I love the Anak ng Banyaga. Well, I added that myself, actually. Yeah. I, just thought, I want to make like an 80s spoof action film sometime. That, that, Filipino action film, and it'll just be Boy Puti, Anak ng Banyaga. And it's going to be <laughs> full of like, really bad sound effects and just constant punching combinations and where you just go and then a song forever. and dance number and then the a end. song and dance number or something like that <laughs> yeah Maybe, so I'll probably save that name for the, the 80s action film spoof instead but um, Miko made a suggestion he said Vanilla Thunder <laughs> Hey, Vanilla Thunder. <laughs> Vanilla Thunder, which, yeah, I kind of like. Brian Vanilla Thunder Wilson. Or Vanilla Thunder. <laughs> oh, just maybe Vanilla. Just maybe there's Vanilla already Thunder. another. There's a Brian already. Yeah, it's true. Brian so, Leo. Yeah. But would it ever be a problem for you? I mean, like, people know you from TV and right. and from everything you do as a model, as uh, Brian Wilson. Okay. But, you know, would it ever be a problem if you had to, like, drop that as a wrestler? Like, not go with mm. Brian Wilson? Uh, it wouldn't be a problem. I would love it. I would, I would, I would relish it. Vanilla um, Thunder, though. Vanilla Thunder. Yeah, I would happily just be known as Vanilla Thunder and ignore the whole <laughs> Brian Wilson One Direction side. I mean, I appreciate that, and I'm, I'm thankful that whole thing happened. Yeah. But if I ever did go into wrestling, I'd want to be in that character. I'd want to be that character. I want to stay within the storyline and be Vanilla Thunder or Boy Putty or whoever I would be. <laughs> Aside from... Uh, yeah, sorry, Rob. Sorry, no, no. What, what were you going to ask? I wanted to ask something else that wasn't about wrestling. No, I, I was just going to ask. Now, aside from that uh, one action sequence in Thanods where you got the you know, mm. chokeslammer guy, have you ever done anything in any of your projects that made you have made, made you dig through your wrestling wrestling oh. love or had wrestling influences all over it? Right. There, there are things that I always want to do, but sometimes it's hard if you don't... Like, with wrestling moves... A lot of my favorite wrestling moves are like slams or suplexes and things like that. And they're hard to do on indie productions if you don't have like a, a mat That's true. or Which padding, you rarely have. Which you rarely have. So if you're doing it, it's hard to do your favorite moves, like wrestling moves, unless you have that kind of thing. So I've always wanted to, but I haven't been able to because it's kind of dangerous. In, in wrestling, you have the ring and they know you know how to sell yeah. it and all that and you know how to take the fall. But if you're doing that like on concrete. on a concrete ground, that's yeah. really hard to pull off. So luckily for the choke slam, slam in Tanod's, uh, it was onto a, a breakaway table okay. with cardboard boxes. So the, I could slam the guy through the table, and even though it might look, the, the effect is that it looks painful, that's actually cushioning his fall. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so it looked, it achieved the look and it looked really cool. But um, 
I didn't get him as high up as I wanted to because we only had one take and we wanted to play it safe. Yeah. And I didn't want to hurt the guy and he was a bit worried because we couldn't plan the stunt ahead. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, I'll, we'll, do, we'll break it down into beats. My hand goes on your throat. I'll put the other hand behind you, then lift and you jump a little bit, then down. So break it down into those steps and it should be fine. So we did it. And I, maybe I was a bit too conservative because I really would have loved to have gotten right up in the air like Kane or Big Show or something and really choke him. But I didn't want to hurt the, uh, the guy that I was doing it to. So I, was, I played a bit, a bit conservative, but I still made it look good, I hope. <laughs> no, it did look good at the end right, of the episode. Right. All right, so I want to ask... Uh, you came up with the whole Boy Putty and Nakhna thing. Right. Do you watch a lot of 80s action movies, some FPJ movies and shit? Well, not really FPJ movies. I've seen a lot of the clips. I've seen it on um, some of the channels where they play those films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it always amuses me. Like, Other channels, not TV5. Re- well, yes. There's a whole range of channels out there. And I YouTube watch some channels of them. as well. YouTube channels as well. A lot of them are on YouTube in their entirety. So right. I've seen a lot of these clips. And um, there was one in particular I saw where it was like, it was making fun of this clip from some old 80s Filipino action film. There's this guy, like, on a horse. <laughs> and he's, like, running around. He's in the field. He's, like, chasing after guys. He's, like, shooting arrows. And he gets there, and he just, like, beats them up endlessly. And I've seen clips of FPJ where he's kind of doing the same thing. He just... Yeah endlessly beating these guys with like punching combinations mm-hmm. and it and looks so much fun and there's some of the most ridiculous punching combinations exactly like, yeah like there's that one where the double fist on somebody's face <laughs> the double that, fist yeah, that's, oh God. he's using guys heads like punching bags <laughs> it's, yeah it's campy as fuck heads don't work that is. way yeah, yeah. Um, um but they, they look like a lot of fun so i got the idea i thought it'd be so much fun if i could recreate one and spoof it did you, uh, as a half Filipino kid growing up in the UK, did you have any exposure to Filipino pop culture over there, or did, was it all here? Uh, I did. Um, occasionally, you would find Filipino dubbed films on VHS. No, oh, no way. Yeah. So in on my VHS. local, yeah, <laughs> on my in my local video rental store, there was this film called Ninja Kids. Which I actually, I actually know that starring movie. Herbert Bautista. Yeah. Um, Francis M. Uh-huh. Yeah. A few of the young guys the, the who young were like... Guys they, who were, yeah. This was in the UK. The, a video the rental UK. store in the UK. Video what? rental store. Why yeah. do I remember this movie? No, I know How this. Come I don't? <laughs> no, I know this. I only, the only reason I know of Ninja Kids is because Francis M. dropped it in a freestyle that I heard once. Right. <laughs> and, well, well, it's... And so, because of that, I found Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Kids. Kids. And it's it's not horrible. Well, especially if you watch it as a kid growing up. Yeah. And you just wanted to see some cool-looking ninjas doing martial arts. And I I don't think I even knew it was a Filipino film when I got it. I just thought it looked cool. So imagine my surprise when I got it. And, well, it was dubbed into English, so I didn't know straight away. But I think my mom saw it, and she was like, That's, they're Filipinos. That's, uh, she recognized the actors, I think, yeah. as well. So I was like, whoa, okay, this action film that I love is actually a Filipino film. And it actually became one of my childhood favorites. Like, oh, okay. to this day, I... I think I tracked it down one time and I tried to watch it on um, on YouTube mm-hmm. and it was kind of campy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it as a kid and Francis M was amazing in it. Like that's why when I first came to the Philippines, he's one of the only guys I was like a fan of because yeah. some ninja kids. So I was actually really sad when he passed away and everything and that was like a big deal to me as well because oh, he was kind of a childhood hero to me just because of that one film. I that guy. And like he's doing... He's like a ninja in the film. He's doing like break dancing moves to like beat people up. <laughs> yeah. Like literally. And he's an amazing dancer. So he's like, he's like doing the. Very underrated. Very underrated very in underrated. that aspect. Yeah. Did yeah. you ever get to meet him? No, unfortunately, I didn't. I, I, was, I think he was past him when he came here. No, he was still. Oh, he was still. He was still. 
Yeah. He's still alive. He passed away like fairly recently. Like, I came here in 2008. Ah, yeah. right. he passed away in 09. 09. Ah, so a 09. year after I arrived here. Yeah. It feels, yeah. it feels you know, so much... No, but it wasn't. It was on it so, so uh, I want to ask now, Person since you're already here, mm. do you mean to, do you intend to uh, pursue whatever career you want to pursue here long term? Uh, yeah. I, you know, um, as, for as long as I can keep doing the things I want to do while I'm here, I will, and I will pursue that. So um, if that's in action filmmaking, even though that's kind of a slow burner here, because me and a few people I know, we really want to make like the Ong Bak or the Raid of the Philippines. Like mm. These are the Southeast Asian countries have had their big breakout martial arts yeah, the, film. The, the that, iconic film. Exactly. So they put them on the radar. So Thailand had Ong Bak, like I right. said. Yeah. And then there's a raid Ong for Indonesia. Yeah. So, you know, the Philippines has a very rich culture, culture of martial arts, and it's a shame that we don't showcase it. So I'd love to be involved in something like that, if that could happen. Um, and, yeah, I would love to try and go for my second session of PWR boot camp wrestling. <laughs> long overdue second session. Yeah, yeah way, way to too long. What, yes. what, do you, what do you think is the thing that's stopping, or what, what is the biggest obstacle in making a breakout Filipino martial arts movie? It's uh, the public's um, perception of what a martial arts film is or an action film is. Like, I remember being told that in the 80s and 90s, well, it was kind of dying in the 90s, but particularly in the 80s, there was a big like uh, market for martial arts films yeah. here. So obviously guys like Robin Padilla, FPJ, Monsor de Rosario. Monsor de Rosario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there, there were a lot of martial arts films and action films. Um, but it just, for some reason, they lost popularity and people got more into the whole romance thing, the love stuff and horror films and the slapstick humor. The slapstick everything humor that's on the Metro Manila Film Fest. Exactly, everything that's there. So, I don't want to slay everything. everything that, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's really everything that is wrong with the yes. film. Exactly. So, festival. this year we're going to be the last country to see Star Wars because of the Metro Manila film. Are we? Yes, yes, we are. Yeah. We're, not, we're not getting it already? Nope. No. Nope. Fuck. Who? <laughs> so, it's exactly <laughs> what you sorry, said. Sorry, that's I'm everything I'm that's wrong with Philippine Fuck! Cinema. <laughs> Fuck you, Metro Manila film fest! That just confirmed sorry. it. Fuck you. Do yeah. not read the internet? No, I, I didn't. When did this come out? That uh, yeah, long ago. Oh, they, you they, didn't know? They didn't. Oh, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. so uh, and here I was. I, I lost my train of thought. I'm, I'm off. I'm You're off. way I'm, off. I'm done. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. He's left the building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's your that's your goal eventually to kind of yeah. restore the credibility of Filipino martial right. arts films. Yeah, I mean there was a film. We say that uh, we've been saying that the MMFF is what's wrong with the industry, but last year's MMFF. Uh, had Bonifacio, which is a film I worked on, and we really hoped, um, like, Robin Padilla is a star of that, and you could see he wasn't just a star, he was, I think he might have been involved as a producer or something. Or yeah, he was a driving way. force. He I kept, think he, I he think kept promoting the heck yeah, out of it. Yeah, he was. He was really behind that film, and he really wanted it to do well, not just for the, because it told the story of, you know, obviously one of the Philippines' heroes, it, just because it represented action filmmaking as well yeah. like we spent five days to make sure the final action scene uh, would be epic and it would look good and yeah we spent a lot of time on that we did like pre-prod we rehearsed all the action scenes and we did training and stuff and Robin was so into it and you could see that he's he's a he's a pro and he knows what he's doing because there were some takes where he'd, he'd have to come in and like kill five guys in one <laughs> shot and walk out and I remember he, there was this one shot that involved like uh, like 50 extras behind him, people with fire and stuff. And he came in, 
he did the shot in one take and walked off, and that was it. Wow. He didn't have to do another take because he did it perfectly. He he hit all of his marks. He acted it perfectly. He just everything about it was perfect. So I was like, wow, this guy like knows how to do action, and that's what he really wants to do. He was really pushing Bonifacio to be like a kind of uh, a film to bring back Philippine action filmmaking, as well as being a good like uh, film about yeah Bonifacio. And uh, coming later this year, mm. it's gonna be. It's going to be Henry Luna. Okay, yeah. Which is another film I'm looking forward to, right. even if it is, you know, another historical film. But there's a lot of action that I've seen in it, and right. it's just has a lot of promise behind it as well. Okay, yeah. I've seen, um, I probably haven't seen as much as you, but um, I've seen some of the, the teaser footage and stuff, and I was very, it's one of the films that I'd seen um, footage for and that I was actually impressed with that was and coming I'm, out It's later. really exciting. The shots look really, good. really good. I was very surprised. Especially the wide, the wide shots. Right, with the yeah. Explosions. Holy shit. Yeah, it, they looked they looked awesome in the shots. Awesome. So yeah. th- there's going to be action in that. There's going to be a lot of action in that, oh, from wow. what I've heard and from, well, some of the some of the the DOP is a friend of ours, and he's okay. gone he's gone to the, one of the PWR shows. So Paul Ignacio, if you're listening, shout outs to you. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, I hope it's good. It's it. I'm looking forward to that. So, All right. Yeah. Um, where can we where can we see you next? I mean, aside from Tanods and aside from. Uh, you know the stunt work that you you're doing, okay. and hopefully at the next PWR event, where can we next see Brian Wilson? Okay, well, aside from Tanod, well, firstly w- regarding Tanods, uh, we're coming up to the end of the season now, so part one of the finale is out. Part two is out this week, this yeah, week, this week, and yeah. that will be the finale of season one. And we've had such great feedback with that that we we hope. It gets a season two, and we're pretty... Let's cross our fingers yes, for that. fingers crossed for season two. So I'd love to come back for that and do um, an even bigger action-packed episode in season two. At least one episode where we get to outdo uh, the episode from last season. And if you guys need, you know, stunt doubles... Well, yeah, I was thinking that. We could bring, like, <laughs> loads of you guys in and have this huge, like, <laughs> Royal Rumble-type hey, fight. Hey, yeah, I would love that. that. Yeah. We, work, be, we work for Peanuts, amazing. though. Hey, well, yeah. you know, there are a lot of Peanuts on set. I'll make that yeah, official, man. Out. I'll make that official. Sure. Right, right. Say the word. We'll make it happen. <laughs> real, real quick, real quick. Uh, what is it like working on Tanods? Tanods is a it's a really fun experience because um, the crew behind Tanods uh, they're a very tight knit crew and they always work together. So you can tell everyone on set, everyone's friends and they all get along and there's good chemistry between everyone and all the shoots run so smoothly because everyone knows each other and what they do in their role. It's just a really efficient and fun team to work with. So all the shoots run so smoothly, and aside from that, because it runs smoothly, that gives everyone the time to just relax and have fun. It's never... I've done other shoots before where you're you're so restricted for time and you're against it and it's just stressful and you don't want to mess up because, you know, you'll make everyone angry. You don't want to do another take. They're so... They don't have much time, but with Tanods, all the shoots would go so smoothly that we could relax and have fun, and it was always a fun atmosphere, and especially with the actors I was working with, everyone's a good laugh. And Jun Sabaiton's a good laugh. <laughs> Jun is a very good laugh, and yeah, he's a very funny guy, and it's sometimes hard to keep a straight face when acting with people <laughs> like Jun, and uh, also... Um, yeah, uh, I remember I had a similar experience when I was doing a show called One of the Boys mm-hmm. with Empoy. Okay. Empoy had... Uh, seen him on TV, uh, you know, I'll admit I didn't find him that funny. <laughs> seen him on TV, but he's one of those guys where if you're with him in person yeah. and you see him acting, it is so hard to keep a straight face. And Journey's almost like that. Like, 
but he's funny on TV as well. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's hard to keep a straight face sometimes when you're working with these guys with such established com- uh, comedy actors. Yeah. And it's also a lot of fun. So, yeah, yeah I, I love it. How did you get on the project for that? Real quick. <laughs> oh, this is going to sound... I just, I'd worked with Miko before. Right. So uh, he, he uh, had a role that he thought only I could play because I guess there aren't that many white boy Filipinos in the Philippines. <laughs> oh, no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> so I kind of fit perfectly into that role. But there so. are two of you, right, on the show? Yeah, there is another guy in the show, uh, Daniel, One Direction. He's also kind of a white-looking Filipino guy. Daniel Marsh, right? Daniel Marsh, yeah. Um, but Miko wasn't really aware of Daniel because he hadn't worked with him before, right. so... <laughs> you sound shallow. Yeah, I worked with him, so you picked me. <laughs> it's who you know. That's how you get it films. <laughs> That's true. No, it's true, it's right? Yeah, it is true. It is true. Yeah. And I fit the role, so he asked me to do it. Uh, I worked on a film with him before called um, Blue Bustamante. Yes. Which is, if you haven't seen it, go track it down. It's a very, uh, it's a very cool comedy kind of. Not, not really action. There's, it's, there's a action. bit of... There's a bit. Right. It's a father-son story, right? It's a father-son story with good humor, and it's just well done. And... Um, I was meant to be like a stunt double Power Ranger type guy in it. <laughs> and I did all like the rehearsals and everything. But as usual, with, I usually have pretty bad timing with things. When it came to the shooting day for Blue Bustamante, it was also like the first shooting day for One Direction. Okay. <laughs> and so even though I'd done all the training, I couldn't actually do the shoot in the end. So I wasn't in the film, but I'm still credited in the film, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, cool. Brian Wilson, stunt guy, even though I wasn't actually in the film. I just did the training. So, yeah, that's how I knew Miko, who created Tanods. Papi Miko, if you need three assholes, you know who to look for. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you need 20 jabrones, job to this guy. <laughs> hey, we, we will put Brian over any day. Yeah, oh, any yeah. day of the week, man. Oh, wow. Uh, Brian's been a blast. Thank you so much for spending time with us and for making time for the podcast. Uh, where can our listeners follow you on social media? Let's increase those followers, man. Okay, so. By like 15. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it's you can follow me. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Wilson. So it's like it's Wilson spelt with four I's and four O's. Or if you want to remember it uh, easier, think of like Wilson from Castaway. Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> it's literally like a prolonged version of Wilson. Actually, wait. Pause. Insert okay. audio clip. Audio clip. <laughs> yeah. From Castaway. 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 Wilson. There you go. So that's where you can follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm on Twitter as well at Brian, at Brian Juan Wilson. So like One Direction. <laughs> Brian Juan Wilson. That's all one word. I've got to change that someday. Yeah, uh, <laughs> And then just find me on Facebook as well. Just search <laughs> Brian Wilson, B-R-I-A-N, not, not with a Y, with an I. And I'm there. Um, yeah, you can find... Oh, yeah, and my YouTube channel, Pinoy Knockouts. Ooh, Pinoy Knockouts. P-K-O. 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 Which, as you may gather, was slightly inspired. I thought P-K-O kind of sounds like R-K-O, which From is kind of nowhere. catchy. <laughs> and it's Pinoy Knockouts. So. I love it. Yeah, so it's P-K-O, Pinoy Knockouts. Um, that's where you'll find my martial arts videos. Um, yeah, go check them out. Uh, hopefully, you'll enjoy them. All right, last question. Okay. What was the worst uh, reaction or the most negative reaction when someone found oh. out you weren't One Direction? Okay. Well, here's, <laughs> here's the funny thing. We, here's the funny thing. After a while, because uh, we corrected so many people, right. it was always awkward. Like, you imagine that you're taking a picture with someone, they think you're One Direction, they're excited, <laughs> then we tell them, we're, we're not One Direction, man. Sorry, we're One Direction. It's different. They're like, oh, we're better. Sinayan. Like, they don't know who we are. It's always really awkward. And you, then if they want to keep taking pictures, it's like, this, you see their smiles, like, disappear. And like, 
I don't want a picture with these guys. You're not One Direction. So it's always a really awkward situation. So it got to the point where we didn't correct people anymore, which sounds bad. So people will be like taking pictures with us and saying One Direction, and we didn't want to turn it into an awkward situation. So we just go with it and smile and be like, yeah, okay. So which <laughs> one would you take be? the picture? Oh, which one would I be? I'd, I'd have to pretend I, I knew their names if I said that. Hey, 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 hey. That's a good one. That's a good answer. That's a good, that, Although that's I do the know best the names. <laughs> All right, Brian Wilson, you can catch him on TV5 Standards. Let's hope for a season two. And hopefully, we'll see him in a PWR ring very, very soon. Yeah. Vanilla Thunder, maraming salamat. Vanilla maraming salamat. Thank you for having me. Anak ng banyaga. All right. Boy pute, anak ng banyaga. I never thought that I would laugh so hard at the nickname yeah. <laughs> like that, but God damn, no, Brian Wilson. No, like, the best part is parang you don't expect this guy to know what banyaga even means. Or even to speak clear Filipino. Yeah. Well, well, to a degree. Get, just give him, to be fair, he's been here since what? Two, Ten years old. I mean, like, he's, for a he's while. Been, he's been here for a while. He's been here for a while, and he's he spent his childhood here sometimes. So, I, I wouldn't, it makes sense that he would know his shit. So, and so thank you very much, Brian Wilson. We would like to have you back again. Just let us know. Both we here and, and in boot camp. And in boot camp. Once your schedule frees so, up. So any fans of One Direction or Thanos out there, your boy. Or Angelico. Watch out for your boy. Or Angelico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like an angel from heaven. Watch out for your boy. All right. Uh, let's take this home. Picks of the week time. Picks of the week. My pick of the week is Pentagon Jr. versus Vampiro. Just okay. because this you're, is just so... Just you're a sick fuck. Yes. I think it's very clear that I'm a sick fuck. But seeing a hardcore match like this in 2015 is amazing. <laughs> I mean, and, and not TV, seeing it on, on, TV. on TV, on TV, on TV. Because you can find things like this on the internet, on CZW. On the internet, lang. But uh, the, the, fact that this the fact that this shit is broadcast on the El Rey network just made me happy. And seeing all of the consequences of this fight from the... The flaming table tax spot to the to the light bulbs to just people bloodied up and them pushing themselves to the limit with a what forty year old man yeah named Ian Hodgkinson with uh, with six neck surgeries to his name <laughs> looking like he's almost on the border of death it makes you know what I'm on border of death he bordered death. No, he is death. He is but death. He's not dying. He looked like he could die. <laughs> right. That's anyway. the thing. It's the same fear that, like we said earlier in the show, that we have for Edge for a guy like him. Yeah, but he doesn't look like he's dying. He's just old. He's not decrepit. Yeah, exactly. There you he's go. He's not decrepit. That's what he is. Huh? But this this was a good match for the sick fucks out there. So, right. My pick of the week is okay. Since Stan's not here, I'm gonna pick what he was gonna pick. Was, I'm sure he was going to pick. Which is? Um, Seth Rollins versus Neville for the oh, WWE Championship. God. This match, okay, just, just to throw it out there. This is quite possibly WWE's best match on Raw this year. No, I wouldn't say that. Best match on Raw? No. Cena versus Cesaro? Okay, I take that back. One of the best matches. Top five. Oh, for sure. Wait, top five, top for ten, sure. Top, ten, no, no, top, ten. top five. No, but you know, you know what I like about this match? It... It's the same blueprint as Cena's open challenges. Pero, for some reason, Seth could do 
what Cena could never do, which is to actually make it look like the opponent has a chance. No, don't get me wrong. Cena can make it look like the opponent has a chance, but whenever he does his comeback, whenever he does his fire, his his five moves to do. Yeah, no, no. When he when he comes back and does the finish where he wins, it's always so predictable. Un- yeah, predictable and unbelievable. Okay, Cena just took the best offense the opponent can give him and he gets right back up he kicks and out does his too. shit yeah does he his does shit. his shit yeah but Seth made it look like as in you believe you almost you legit believe, I did you, legit believe you legit believe he was winning I did and the thing and was I, and if I saw it live I would have believed it the same way yeah because the he the got biggest, the three count he got the three count with the leg on the rope, oh, oh. which was you would something never, that you miss. You would hardly, rarely see Cena do something like that. Call a spot like that. Yes, and Seth called it perfectly. And and the way God. he won was not to power out of uh, Neville's best of a shot. finisher. Yeah, he let Neville make a mistake. You know, move and out the way of a red arrow and capitalize. Which and was even though, great. even though that that's the kind of shit a heel would do more. Even though in Vince's world, a face would be a superhero and power out of everything like Hulk Hogan used to do, it's you, you tend to appreciate the reality more. Yes. And that's what made this match so good. Mm. Because for a split and, 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 second there, for no. a split second there, we thought Neville had oh, won. For, it's, it's something you won't see in a Cena match. The opponent would get a three count. And still lose. And still lose. Yeah, it's and, it's and this, and this rep was true. fishy. This rep was a little fishy. No, he wasn't fishy. No, he got he almost gave he gave weird counts, and I was like, wait, 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 what is wrong with this ref? Why have I not seen this ref? Is this a Brad Maddox spot again? Hey, but then you know it came out. Okay, wait, the ref is actually the jet, and then I think it was leading up to that three count. That you know, it's it's subtle. It's subtle. It's mm. very subtle. If you watch it back, you try and notice the ref. And, and see how hard he makes and, this job. And that's the kind of... That's, you know, that's like... It's uh, like Jay Lethal. Yeah. You know? R- ROH heel. ROH heels aren't dirty. They aren't. They're just assholes. And, but they're, and, they're, and they're crafty. They're crafty, yes. That's and, the thing with Oh, ROH yeah, and heels. best pedigree from Seth ever. Yes. So far. Best pedigree. Best pedigree. But actually, speaking of Jay Lethal... Oh, all right, let's talk about this real quick. Let's uh, talk about this real quick because Death Before Dishonor... Then, yeah, fine. See, go, go, go. Death Before Dishonor main event. I was not going to talk about it. What were you going to talk about? Uh, Seth, you cha- Seth challenged Cena to a winner-take-all match. Oh, that is some, God. This that is... is some Briscoe Lethal Oh, shit, God. You know? And considering that it just happened. Briscoe, Le- Briscoe Lethal shit. And... It ties back to the rumors that the movie is waging war in ROH. And it's exactly what it is. They built up a single, you know, a second And I am year. legit afraid now. Who is going to fucking win this one? Oh, God. Lethal won the, the whole thing. Lethal won the whole thing, but Cena... Okay, sorry, sorry. We're getting, we're getting a little sidetracked without context. For those of you who don't watch Ring of Honor, leading up to Best in the World, which was two pay-per-views ago for them... Yeah. We had a champion versus champion match with Jay Briscoe putting his ROH world title up against Jay Lethal's TV title for a title versus title match to determine who was the best in the world. Now, as cliche as it sounds and as, you know, cliche as it sounds, Jay Lethal is now the best in the world by being one of the 
The first? To what? The first hold. to hold both? I undisputed? So, yeah. I think he is the first ROH undisputed champion. And you have... You have... WWE essentially taking the exact same route no more than two months after in the form of John Cena versus Seth Rollins. So, back to your point. In, uh, you see, I'm legit afraid to say Vince might be panicking and, you know, with all the low ratings and shit. So and he has to steal. He, he might be, he might be forced or, you know, he might panic enough to put the championship back on Cena. So, well, in it's their, been a while. In their internal logic, it's been proven uh, whenever Cena is on top, ratings bi- go up. Business do, does better. It's their logic. But uh, I don't think. I think Seth needs a big win here. Seth does need the big win because if he does, this legitimizes Him. his his so reign. You make a new star. And this I mean, could be a star-making match for Seth, even though he already is a star. Yeah. It will push him into that A-plus category. Yeah, you make... That's what you need right now. You need legitimate new stars. And not just stars that you let, you know, that have a couple of wins, a couple of big wins, and then say, star instead of that. He said a star needs consistent, great booking for people to look at him as a star. And right now, you have possibilities of that in Seth Rollins... In guys like Cesaro as well. Yes. In guys like Neville. Yes. And those three are those guys that, you know, could take WWE for the next five, ten years. And Cena's been instrumental in helping those guys out. In all three of those guys. And that's the thing. You put Seth against Cena in a champion versus champion match. The outcomes are either really great or possible worst nightmare. Yeah. You might take a step backwards, for all we know. Anyway, that's it for picks of the week. Uh, you want to talk about that? No, you really want to talk about that for before dishonor? Watch it. Really good main event. Honestly, if you're not watching Ring of Honor yet, now is a good time to get into it because Death Before Dishonor is one of the highlights, and you know they really restart things after this show, with the exception. Well, they do. It does feel like a bit of a reset. So, if you're gonna start watching the TV show, it's a good time. If you haven't seen Death Before Dishonor, please watch it, even just for Roddy versus Lethal, because potential match of the year candidate right there. Roddy sucks, though. <laughs> no, Roddy actually brought it. Yeah, I know, but he sucks, you know. Um, I, this guy is not championship material. Watch the match, man. He needs watch a manager. Why can't he, he does have, need. Why, why can't, can't he have, he have Truth Martini? Why can't Truth Martini's managing Jay Lethal? I know, but, you know, when he was with... Uh, it was fun to watch. Oh, so that's it for us. You can follow us on social media at Caveman Camus. At Rose Warren. At underscore Stancy for our missing friend. At, at the SGP podcast, podcast. At Smart Henry PH. For all your daily wrestling yes, news. Yes, uh, listen to the show. Subscribe to it. Download it uh, on iTunes Store. What number are we now? 120 something. 120 something. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah, We're yeah, still yeah. doing okay. Yeah, and help us out. You know, uh, download it on our Buzzsprout site. On our Facebook page, and uh, on the so, iTunes, yeah, store, iTunes store, and your favorite podcast, podcast app. app on Android. So we need your help, right? Yeah, pretty much. We need your help. Yeah, and you know what? We're also asking you to come out, young, to come out because you know what time of year it is in America? It's summer. 
And even oh, though summer fix, even though we are, we are not plug And even though we're pushing two hours, yeah, yeah, yeah. We plug. So Summerfest is coming up in a week's time. Yeah, in a week's time. So next no, no, two weekend, weeks time. two weeks time, two weeks time. My bad. Two weeks time, we will be having viewing parties for both NXT Brooklyn and SummerSlam. Both happening back to back. Both happening in New York. Both back to back. Both showing back to back. Sunday, August twenty-two for NXT, and Monday, August twenty-three for SummerSlam. Both showing back to back at Skinny Mike's in the fourth BGC. So. Come on down. Details can be found on the Smart Henry page, um, on our SGP podcast page, um, on SGP. Right. And you know what else they should come out to? What else? PWR Live. PWR Live. August Happening 15. next week. Oh, August 15th. Makati Cinema Square Arena this time next week as we are recording on a Saturday afternoon. We will be at the Makati Cinema Square Arena for the first ever PWR Live, where we will see Jake DeLeon versus Classical Brian Leo in a rematch for the PWR Championship, as well as the new, beginning, yeah. the beginning of a tournament, of a tournament, Torneo. the first ever of its kind for in the Philippines. No, 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 because we already had the championship tournament for oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for the right, title, right, right, fine. but the first ever. Championship tournament for the new Philippine Hybrid X Championship. We have seen these competitors go at it. And you know what? If you see the matchups, it's quite an exciting time for PWR because it's it's gonna be intense. It's gonna be intense. And I'm most looking forward to seeing Chris Panzer versus Sandata. Why is everyone looking forward to that? Because match? it looks like match of the year candidate. No. That is some really it looks that is like some high pressure on both candidate. men. And you know what? Ano ba, I, ano ba wala ka pressure yung sinasabi niyo ganyan? Bakit? Naka pressure yan. Man mo alam. No, you know, speaking for both Panzer and Sandata. I know you, that which you drove out of the, of ever guessing again on the podcast by the way. Because we're never going to need him. He's just going to give cryptic statements from time to time. Paano kasi hindi mo ka nakausap ng maayos? Okay, that's in the past, but you know, I hope we can have Chris Panzer on after this. I know, but that's the hype behind it. And you know what? But I'm looking forward to seeing also Miguel Rosales versus Mayhem Branigan. Because, good lord, if somebody can take a beating, it's Mayhem Branigan. That's like Suplex City shit, man. It is. But then the thing is, it's not Seth Rollins or John Cena. It's. Twisted Steel and Sex Appeal. But I mean, if, if Mayhem Brannigan can jump off the second floor of Makati Square Arena. And survive. And survive. He can survive, I don't know, Suplex City. Oh. oh, but God. Miguel Rosales looks like he's in the best shape of his career right now. And, you know, I think that the early favorites what may about, not pull out. May not pull out of this tournament. What about, what about, you know, Ralph Mabayashi versus... Peter Versosa. This is the one match that I am, you know, match, I'm on the fence. Hindi match of the year din yun, papi. Possible, possible. Because, you know, Sandata's tag team partner, Peter Versosa. That guy flies. He flies. And Ralphie Mabayashi, he flies as well. But can both of them rise like a phoenix? I think, I think that matchup looks better on paper. On paper, but hopefully, 
hopefully I'm pulling I'm pulling for the Sonic Crusher. And then and then uh, last I'm one we got Ken Warren versus uh, Joey Box. Joey Box, man. Hard hitting. Hard hitting. I mean, if. <laughs> no, seriously. Why fine then you know? <laughs> Uh, Joey Bax's stiff shot. No, seriously. Joey Bakbakan Bax. Yeah. No, but Joey Bax. Joey Bax can really slam the shit out of Ken Warren Stryker and take the and air, Sophie. take the air out of his sick kicks, mm-hmm. which I don't think will work as well on a guy like Joey Bax. But there, that's the, that's the tournament and rundown. Then we also got. Uh, uh, Bombay Suarez versus uh, John Sebastian, which is in a grudge match, hard hitting affair. Oh god, that's gonna be oh god, that's gonna be brutal. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm afraid. I'm afraid for Bombay's jaw. Oh god, because I mean we know that John Sebastian hits hard, and the thing is, Bombay can take a beating, but I am unsure. I'm I'm still on the fence on who to choose for this. I mean, we have submitted our predictions for. For Smart Henry, but I feel that you know, Bombay is gonna come out on top, but not unscathed. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And then we also have a boot camp invitational. Papi, I don't know yet. I'm thinking about. I don't know yet. That's the thing, eh? Oh, wait, no wait. Wait, it's an invitational. We can go if we want to, but we're gonna be, we're gonna be watching first, like Mr. C. You know, it's always MDM, watching. MDM I think, you know, why don't, why don't you take it? You should take it. I, I, I'm i injured. Okay, oh, wait. Yeah, 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 you're injured. Shit. That, so, you know, okay, sorry. Something that we have neglected to mention that we shouldn't need to mention. I'm currently on the shelf. I'm going to be having bone spur surgery in the coming weeks. And I cannot participate in the bootcamp challenge match. So rule me out for that one. Okay, I might I might be thinking about I'm thinking about it. I got like a week to think about you it. You got a week to think about yeah. it. Um, I think it's time to get new knee pads for you though. Okay, see, see. I think you could use new knee pads. But Aight. Then, Aight. Let's MDM long the money. Mm, but yeah, you know yeah. MDM. But he's no slouch. He's no slouch. He's no slouch. But we're having him on the show next week. Oh. So we can talk. We can pick his mind about what he thinks about the boot campers next week. So stay tuned for that episode. And with that, we are signing off. For the SGP Podcast. This is the SGP Podcast. Actually, this is just Camus and Roll. Two-thirds of the SGP Podcast. Right. Stay safe, everybody. Stay safe, everyone. Have a nice weekend. And we'll see you at PWR Live. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.